episode 43 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAd.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I attempt to solve a black and white mystery while ascending towers and beating up creepy mannequins. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. Happy Thanksgiving or coming soon this week. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And to everyone listening, we hope you have a think a wonderful Thanksgiving, and then Black Friday follows, or even is on Thanksgiving itself, so you can <laughs> <laughs> get ready. There's apps for both those events, but before we get there, there's some Apple news for the week, and the first is that Apple's HomePod that they showed during WWDC is now going to be delayed until 2018. They originally had a late 2017 launch, but they're not going to make it. Yeah, and this is very poor timing on their part because they were supposed to have this out for the big Christmas rush. And as we just alluded to, Black Friday is coming up and usually Apple, I mean, usually Amazon puts all of their Echo products on super huge like deals all over Black Friday. So they are going to lose out on some big sales and maybe have some people that go and buy the Echo because they don't want to wait until next year. They wanted this gift for this year, and those are lost sales, all because of delays. Yeah, that's the exact thing I saw when it was first announced that there was going to be delays, that the big kind of selling point is that Christmas rush, the holiday quarter, Apple has all these other devices that get eyeballs into their store, so having the HomePod is like, okay, here's a direct link right to that, and now... Like you said, Amazon is the main competition, and they have going to have huge sales on all their different Echo speakers, whether it's the big, tall one or the little dot. And then, of course, Google has their own Google Home speaker system, and so you have two competitors that are going to be in, on the market for over a year, and you're not even launching until sometime in 2018. And we've already gone over it when they launched that we don't even fully understand the appeal of the HomePod. So I think the best sales tactic was to get it out and just have people buy it because it's Christmas time, rather if it's appealing or does anything different than just your iPhone would do. Right, yeah. I mean, the, even if it's like very early 2018, they've missed the boat. People have spent their money at Christmas time, and they're not going to go out and buy this however many hundreds of dollars this thing ends up being right at the beginning of the year that money's been spent so i don't know how this is not not foreboding well for them with the uh with these delays already especially because you can use hey siri to connect to your iphone x and then have that tied up to your apple tv for your home speaker system rather than the standalone speaker so yes i, yeah. I don't know what the appeal is of the home pod but this isn't helping. Nope. I do see that Apple does this where they want the product perfectly right before they release it. There was whatever problem going into it because they've tried a bunch of different versions. I even heard a report that it was going to be this big tall speaker with like three foot tall with like a 12 speaker array in it. And so they scrapped that idea for this new trash can size. But... Even if it's like absolutely, this is the best home speaker system we could create, I just still don't know who's going to buy it. 
Yeah, yeah. The article I read mentioned that they'd been working on this thing for five years, and then they kept on canceling the project and restarting back up the project, and they were totally thrown off guard when Amazon released the original Echo. And now they had a competitor in this space, and I don't know if that caused them to go back and redesign what they had planned, or if they then tried to try to rush it, and then they end up with problems. But whatever it is, they shouldn't really even have announced it if they were going to be way off from this date, because it only makes it look that much worse by having announced it and then having to delay it, you should have just waited. I know you were hoping to stop people from buying your competitor products, but at this point, they're going to buy them anyways because you're so delayed. Right. It looks worse to announce it and not deliver than to not announce it. Right. So that's pretty much Apple's bad news, though I'm sure the iPhone X is going to sell tons to not make it matter. But <laughs> that's news for 2018. But Apple's also making news for 2020. So this year, at some point over the past few months, they acquired the augmented reality headset company, Vervana. And that is going to allow them... It was already earlier rumored that they're working on their own AR headset that's going to use this ROS operating system that they'll try to have it delivered by 2020. And so they've been working on that in-house, and then they've acquired this company that's already shipped their own AR headset. So that seems like it's definitely coming. Yeah, the thing I'm a little confused is this headset that they're trying to develop, is it going to run independent of a phone? Kind of like that new Oculus one that's coming where you don't even need a device. It's all kind of built into the headset. Or are they still planning on something that works with the phone more like the Gear does with the Samsung stuff? I'm guessing if it has its own OS that it's going to be like a standalone device and you don't necessarily even need a phone for it. Yeah, it might not use the phone like the Gear does, but it might use the phone like the Apple Watch does where it's reliant to run the the apps or whatever the case may be. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Especially because they're focusing on AR rather than VR. So with AR, it sounds like it's more a Google Glass style where, you know, it accents your vision rather than completely blocking it. Right, yeah, but I mean, the pictures they have of this headset that they bought, the company. The thing oh, yeah, the one giant. they bought. It's, it it's a, it yeah. looks just like some bulky thing you're going to strap onto your face. Yes. So maybe that's why it's going to take two years, because they're going to figure out how to shrink it down and get it to look not stupid. I don't know. <laughs> three years <laughs> to look not stupid. <laughs> oh, true. That's three years, because 2020, yes. Yeah, so the appeal of AR versus VR is that AR, you would go outside. VR is the kind of thing you do in your house because you don't want to smack into walls or walk out in the street and get run over. So AR should be <laughs> a little bit better, a little seamless. You're not going to strap some huge helmet-looking thing onto your head. Right, yeah. So that, that should be interesting because I can't imagine that an AR headset is that appealing of a market for Apple to dive into versus using your iPhone. Right, especially not to be spending this length of a time developing this thing like at this point two years from now because we're almost at the end of 2017 are people even going to be interested in this anymore even the vr stuff seems to be kind of waning people are like 
kind of going away from it. It was a big push. Maybe this new Oculus device that's coming will kind of bring it down to a price level where people will jump on it. But are people even going to be interested in this come two years from now? Yeah, especially to put all these resources to design something. Google Glass failed for a reason. And then 3D failed for another reason. People don't like strapping stuff onto their face, no matter what it is. If people don't wear glasses, they don't want to wear something that has glasses. And if people do wear glasses, they don't want a second set of glasses. So anything based where you have to put something on to cover your vision has had a tough sell so far in the market. Yeah. So unless Apple can do something completely different that you won't even notice you're wearing it, then... Uh, yeah, I don't I don't foresee this having a big boon. Yeah, this seems like a 2050 idea where you have contact lenses that have embedded vision, ex, you know, various pieces that you've right, seen in some you sci-fi like, movie. Right, to give you like to zoom in just by like tapping your, your the side of your face. You can yeah. zoom your eyesight. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't mind that. See all kinds of information right there, readily available. But yeah, yeah I don't. I don't know. This seems like it's HomePod 2.0. <laughs> well, it'll probably be delayed until yeah. 2021. This seems like there's no purpose whatsoever. But I guess when you have $267 billion, who cares? Yeah, you just <laughs> Might as well throw all kinds of stuff against the wall to see what sticks. Yep. And so that's the Apple news so far. But like we said at the top, it's Thanksgiving week. So that's Thanksgiving And then Black Friday. So for Thanksgiving, you're going to want to create all kinds of various dishes. Usually rely on your own kind of passed down family-based recipes. But in case you want to splurge and go out and try new recipes, Tasty is an app from BuzzFeed that emphasizes video recipes. And there's, it's not just for Thanksgiving, but it does have a special section this week, specifically with all these Thanksgiving dishes, whether it's stuffing or deep fried turkey or pumpkin pie or various pumpkin accents for dishes and you have these really accessible quick video recipes that kind of have this fast forward sped up version so you can see how you chop up all the different breads that you're going to use for your stuffing mix and fry up the onions and celery and all that good stuff and it's just really well made to quickly get into a recipe see all that it needs and then actually see it prepared and cooked. Yeah, if you've ever been on Facebook, odds are one of your friends have shared one of these tasty videos on there, and it makes you hungry all day, and you just want to go make whatever they happen to send you because all this stuff looks amazing. And it's exactly what you said. They make it super simple. They break it down into easily accessible steps, even if you were not good at cooking at all and all you gotta do is follow super simple steps and you can watch the video and see it in video form but then they also have a way within the app it gives you the usual stuff like here's all the ingredients you need how much you need but then you can go into it is a view where it is nothing on the screen except for a couple of sentences that tell you the next step so there's no distractions it's just telling you what to do then you can swipe to go to the next step and just step through it and they're usually pretty short like 20 steps or something and super easy to make things and you don't have to worry about uh, any kind of distractions, it's all right there, simple language of exactly what you need to do. And granted, it's probably not going to come out as beautiful as they make it look at on the 
on the videos, but the food is that I've made a couple of the the recipes on this Tasty app before, and they are excellent. Like the, the food is great, so uh, it's it's worth trying. Like if you want to try something new for Thanksgiving, go and look up some Thanksgiving type recipes in there and give them a try. Yeah. Tasty's not the first video recipe app on the App Store. There's tons of them, but it stands out just because it's really clean interface, smooth, and then that step-by-step mode that you mentioned. So usually you have that video and you might pause or rewind to see that specific part you're having trouble with. With the step-by-step mode, it condenses down the video to each step. So you have the first step, it's like preheat the oven to 350 degrees. And then it's like in a bowl, mix the dry ingredients thoroughly. And just the clip is mixing all the different ingredients or then adding the eggs and the pumpkins and the various mix. And then you just have that part of the video and how to stir it together so you don't get lost or bogged down. And it just makes it super easy. So you can't really get lost in the recipe or stumble or mess anything up. Right. Yeah. And one thing I thought was kind of unique with this app is I don't know if other apps do it, too. I'm not vegan, but if you are it lets you immediately when you go into the app, it asks you if you're a vegan and will hide all the apps that all of the recipes that you would have no interest in whatsoever. You can adjust that later if you do want to see them. But I thought that was kind of a neat little extra thing that they did that they didn't necessarily have to, but uh, just a way to filter out stuff right away that you may not necessarily be interested in. Yep. And that's tasty. It's free and it's universal. And then Black Friday's that night or the day after, and all the ads are available now. And there's a bunch of Black Friday-specific apps. But BFads.net really does a good job on their website and then converting that to app form to make it really easy to have all the different flyers. And then it condenses down the flyers so there's this scrolling list so you can jump from deal to deal. Like say you're looking at the Walmart ad and you see that you want a new TV. You can then instead of just viewing the flyer it's cut out for that specific tv and then you can save it so you save just that portion and then it also has a direct link to the website so you have it all in one place right and then you can also set up lists of the things you want and you actually get notifications uh for when these things go live like there's actually stuff i believe it's target tonight on the night we're recording it's going live at like three in the morning tonight, well before like it even goes on sale. Uh, it, you'll be able to go buy that stuff online. So this is a great way to keep track of like everything you were interested in and then get these notifications of when this stuff is actually going on sale so you don't miss anything. It, or it allows you to compare, oh, I have this many things over at this store. Maybe I should go prioritize if I am going to the store hit this one first and then go to this one because this has the stuff I'm most interested in. But it's just a a great way to keep track of everything you want and not miss out on certain deals. Granted, you're probably not going to get everything you want, especially if you're going for doorbusters, but at least you have those schedules of when the stuff is all going to be going live and then you have a chance to get it. And then there's a hot deals page or tab right in the app where it's updated constantly with any new kind of a slick deals idea of anything that pops up and really as a word of warning try to shop online more and more and more and more deals are popping up online so try to shop online if you can so you don't have to bother or worry about your safety at any store yes and those deals start 
seem to start earlier and earlier. There is stuff already, like, as of the beginning of this week, already hitting the Black Friday. They were giving you the same deals that they're going to have on Black Friday. So check online for these stores on these items that you think that you want and see if they're already on sale because you may not even have to get up. Well, granted, now you can go right on Thanksgiving. And so it's not like you're staying up late or having to get up super early, which I don't mind, but I know some people are, are against that, but that's fine with me. Uh, but yeah, definitely check online so that you don't, you may not have to go out and deal with the whole crowds and all of that. Yep. And so that's bfads.net. It's going to be free and it's universal. And that means it's time for some new games. And this week, really has quite a mixture it's not like one collective theme so we'll start with white knight which it's n-i-g-h-t so the game starts where you see a woman run across you in the road and it causes you to get in an accident and so you, the nearest place is this old abandoned mansion and you need to essentially just survive so it has that whole survival idea and then as you get into it, you realize it's more of a horror survival. You see that right off the outset as you have to kind of dive around the cemetery of the mansion just to find a way in. And then once you get in, there's going to be low light. You need to use matches to even have any kind of light on the environment. And then you're going to see little pieces of the family that used to live in this mansion. And the entire game is presented in this black and white 3D setup where it's kind of like Sin City in that type of film noir vision with kind of that modern 3D aesthetic. And it's really beautiful the way the lighting changes that black and white atmosphere, especially with everything so low light. And then that's going to allow the setup of a few little kind of jump scares as you have this horror survival adventure. Yeah, it's really the story and the unique art style that drew me into the to, to even checking out this game in the first place because it has this whole it, it, Sin City is the perfect perfect kind of description because it looks almost like a a graph a black and white graphic novel and but things are moving on the screen and as you do play with the light, there are a lot of stuff that's in shadow. So you constantly have to be picking up these matches and you light the matches and they only last for a certain amount of time as you're walking around and exploring things. I think it all takes place like kind of in the thirties, it seems. And so as you're collecting evidence, it shows up in this newspaper kind of style. So then you can go to this newspaper and can read more about the stuff that you're collecting and it kind of reveals other parts of the story and the whole thing's narrated with like this gruffy kind of like PI voice that kind of talks about that. He's the main character. You're, you're moving around and he's talking about what's happening and he kind of gives you the sets, the whole scene. And, and so it's, it's a really immersive experience because of the way they really have this unique art style and all of these elements that draw you into the game because you you're interested in finding out what happened to this family when you after the accident you go to check the car where the woman was and she's gone so is she alive what happened so you're trying to find her and and figure out also what happened within this house that you end up in so it, it's kind of just a the whole narrative is what really drives this game forward yeah and it's an interesting story because the way it unfolds it's not like oh, here's the common structure. It's essentially 
you dictate how the story kind of the pace that it proceeds based on how you explore the house and then unlock the different pieces that go into the newspaper and then activate special kind of sections like an apparition might appear and you have that whole poltergeist idea going on but it's as you kind of explore and unlock and look at everything that you can in the mansion for the story to proceed yeah the only couple of sticking points for me and i don't know one of them i don't know if it's going to be a problem but what the i don't like how slow the dude moves like it is like pulling teeth to get him to move to some places sometimes because what will happen is you just tap on the screen and he moves to where you want and then things will kind of glow this orange color kind of it fills up like highlights the object when the orange when you can interact with it and then something will pop up in the corner of the screen whether it's like a, a magnifying glass for you to kind of explore the item and look at it or a hand will pop up if you if you can pick it up or interact with it and he just moves really super slow. And the only other thing I could foresee maybe being an issue, but so far it hasn't been for me, is those matches. Because you're constantly walking around. They seem to be pretty readily available to pick up more, but every time you use one, your count goes down by one. You can hold the maximum of 12 of them. And, but you're going to have to keep on using these things because they eventually burn out. So far I haven't run into a situation where I've completely run out. But And I don't know if that's even possible, but it was something that kind of concerned me as I was walking around and keep lighting these things up. The problem for me is the actual movement controls, where it seems like I wanted... I, the tap to move, in theory, sounds good, but the execution isn't the best, where you're kind of just tapping, and it doesn't fix to that point. Like, so you want to tap to go over to a door, and then he's, like, not facing the door, but that orange highlight where you can actually interact with an item, it doesn't activate until you have to re-tap to kind of reposition so he's facing the door. And then that movement, it just was a few, a frustrating a few different times. And then once I unlocked a few different doors in the mansion, I got to this point where the story kept sending me to game over and I'm kind of stumped and stuck. And it's not necessarily puzzle clue-based, just... That's what's kind of limiting me because it's not like, oh, well, I'll figure out the solution. It's not a solution-based progression system. So you're kind of just stuck not knowing really what to do. Is it the apparitions? Is that the problem? Like you get hit by them and then they send you back? Is that what's happening? Or Yeah, that's the main kind of focus of it. But even so, it's not a puzzle solution thing. You know, it's right, just right, yeah. going back and trying to... Essentially, you're just meaning doing meaning meaning tasks, you know, to figure it out. Yeah. So, for me, I play a lot of adventure games, especially in and on iOS as well. And I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this one. I I was when it first started, and I saw the whole art and the story, and like I liked where it was going. But I'm still I'm kind of lukewarm on it overall. I I mean I haven't finished it. I'm only part way in. But so far, it just really hasn't kind of like satisfied the way I thought it would. And I, I've been a little disappointed with it overall. Yeah, I because like you said, we've played a bunch of puzzle adventures and talked to, about them on this game. But when you take out the puzzle aspect, you're kind of just doing these boring kind of tasks to uncover and 
just investigate enough pieces so then the next part of the story unfolds. So you're kind of just going through the motions and it's a bit boring to get there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm just all I'm doing is walking around rooms, looking and tapping on pretty much everything. Uh, and then eventually you um, you see something go into the news. And you're like, oh, I guess that was part of the clue I needed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a lot of walking around and and exploring, but not much else. Yep. So that's White Knight. It is four ninety nine. It's universal. And then the next game has a similar theme with similar kind of story idea. But it's a completely different game, and that's Shadows Remain. It comes from Half Brick, which uh, they've made Fruit Ninja and a bunch of other quick-action arcade games. So this is quite a diversion to go and play or make a game that's a adventure game where there's kind of a puzzle adventure idea, but it's augmented reality-based, but it's not the usual form. It's kind of like the next-generation idea, because usually you just have, like, these pieces, and you see it, you know, in your front yard or in your living room. This game, you find kind of a waypoint, and then an entire room appears. And the augmented reality idea is that you're going to use your iPad or your iPhone, and it has that movement idea, where you can move in to zoom in, or you can spin around to go 360 degrees. So you have this, it's kind of like you have this diorama room right in front of you that you can walk around and look closer at, and that's mimicked on your iOS device screen. And that allows you to kind of explore this horror idea where you play as this mom whose kid has gone missing, and you then transport through time somehow, and now you have to kind of play the game of these ghosts to try to get your son back. Right, yeah, this whole story gets revealed about what happened, and this is where the creepy uh, mannequins I mentioned at the start of this episode come from. Uh, so there's a story that kind of unfolds. I don't want to reveal anything, uh, but you're, it helps you to, as you're going through, this creepy stuff is happening, and the woman's talking, and you're playing as the woman looking around this thing trying to find the pieces of the clues again it's kind of similar because you're trying to find pieces of the clues once you find the x number of story elements that you need to find then the story continues and then it's creepy stuff this one's definitely creepier i felt than than uh white knight was the cool thing of how they use the ar normally i don't i'm not really a fan of when it's like a let's have something just sit in the static spot and you're kind of looking at it. I don't really, I'm not really a fan of that type of AR, but here with that whole diorama, it works really nicely because as you're zooming in, you can kind of peek into the tops of like planters and, and cups and things. Cause you're looking for clues that are, have been left around or items have been left around. So sometimes you have to actually look into objects to find them and you can pull that off really well with this AR setup the way they have it, because you can t kind of tilt your head over and look into things because you're moving your device closer to the object. So you're zooming in while you're peeking over. And at any time you can use your finger on the screen to, if you don't want to get up, to kind of rotate the room. So you never have to actually uh, get up and move around. You, you're more moving like your head up and down to zoom in and out of the, uh, of the, the space 
to try to see certain things. I did think some of the stuff was a little dark and it was tough to see some things. I tapped and like picked up something without even realizing it. But uh, overall, I like the graphical uh, fidelity of everything is really nice because there's so much detail because you have that ability to zoom in and out. Yeah, there's a super ornate 3D design, even though it's set in that AR fashion. And like you said, you can change your camera angle completely. You can even look under a chest of drawers. They're not, there might not be a clue there, but just there's so many things you can zoom into and change the perspective of that you probably wouldn't view in a game like The Room, where you have that ornate 3D layout, but you don't, the camera is more kind of on rails. This one lets you move your head perspective and change every angle in the game to just kind of explore what they've created. And the, I guess, like you said, the one kind of limitation is that the puzzle isn't the strong part of the game. So you're just kind of tapping on whatever you can to find those story elements. And then you have a Shadowmatic style trying to line up your perspective so these two items overlap to kind of unlock and progress to the next region. And that's kind of the most complex the game becomes. Yeah. And in fact, one of those I'm kind of stuck on. I can't get the story to move forward. I know what I have to do, but I can't quite figure out the right angle of things that I need in order to solve this one puzzle. But it, to me, it almost feels more like an interactive movie. And they do a great job with uh, the the sound and making it feel like it's in certain locations to really kind of give you that that spatial sound. So if something's happening, it might be happening behind you, depending on how you're facing. And it, you can feel that or to your side. And if you have headphones on, you really can get a sense of where you need to turn and look to see what's going on just because of that spatial sound and the really nice job they've done of creating like even that in 3D. Yep. And that is Shadows Remain. They've done a really good job of AR, but the puzzle aspect is kind of limited. And right, and that's free to download, but they're going to ha continue to do extra chapters throughout the following year, and those are going to be available as in-app purchases. Right, so it's kind of that telltale setup. Yeah. And so it is free, it's universal, and it's free for now, but... If you do get into it, expect to pay in the future. We don't know how much, though. <laughs> right. And then there's Beat Street, which is a retro-inspired side-scrolling beat-em-up game that you've probably played before, that classic arcade style. But now the main kind of differentiator is that it's all designed around one-touch control. So you slide your finger to move, and then when you get to an enemy, you tap to punch and attack. And then as you go from level to level, you'll unlock new abilities. So you can swipe up to do a jump kick. Or you can swipe left to dash and then punch at the end. Or you can hold or tap and hold the screen to do a charged attack. And it seems each level is going to unlock a new ability at the outset. And then you'll start unlocking new characters. But that core idea remains the same of just quick, retro-inspired beat-em-up action. Right. And so initially when I first load this up and you hear the music happen, I saw the graphics. I'm like, this feels like a double dragon back on my Sega master system. Like it has the super feel of double dragon. If you've ever played double dragon, this is kind of the closest you'll get probably until it comes out or maybe it is available. I don't even know on iOS, 
but that whole one touch thing works fairly well and so what's ha in within the game as you're fighting all these enemies that keep on coming out you're building up a combo meter and to do those special moves like the swiping and the whole chower the charge and that it uses up some of your combo power that you've built up if you can fully fill that meter then you have an option of like a super ability and each character has a different one and all you do is press this one little button and he'll fully take out whatever character he pulls this move on and go and so like one guy kind of turns in this tiger and like pounces on the person takes him out the other guy has like this super punch where he comes in and just starts laying like rapid fire punches until they're dead so it they're kind of cool and they're worth kind of building up to those things but at the same time you don't have to just wait till you can get that one thing you can vary your your punches and attacks by using up some of that combo meter that you have built up by doing these other moves so you're not just stuck with constant tapping there you can do some variety and, you know, I was surprised after the first couple of levels, I'm like, okay, this is going to get boring really fast with just the limitations of tap, 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 tap. But it becomes surprisingly enjoyable just because you can pull off those different moves that you unlock. And then there's that whole combo system where you try to knock together consecutive hits. And then the levels are relatively bite-sized. Each one ends in kind of a mini boss battle. So you have a focused kind of fast-paced arcade challenge that's really perfectly suited for iOS. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels perfectly sized for mobile. And and I do like how uh, the levels are fairly short. And you, the, I mean, overall, I would say if you want like that full-on uh, side-scrolling beat-em-up Combo Crew is a slightly better game just because it does allow you to pull off even more moves and you're not kind of limited to those taps and swipes. It's more, I felt like you had a much more a larger variety of things you could do and it just felt more like a classic brawler uh, side beat em up because of that. But for this, where you do, if you just want to be able to play with, a, with one hand, like on a train or waiting in line, it's amazing what they've been able to pull off by just allowing you to do this all just through that series of taps and swipes and having the variety of attacks and even just like turning your character around and making sure that they can punch the person that's coming up on one side after they punch the other side. It just seems to work nearly flawlessly. Like I thought that was going to be a problem. I'm like, if I'm only using one finger, how does it know that I want to turn and fight this guy and then turn and fight this guy? But it seemed to just work. I did find myself almost putting a second hand up there because I felt like I should have it up there, but you don't need it. And you could hold your device either uh, in vertical or landscape mode as well. Yeah, they've really done a good job to think about everything that you would want kind of in that mobile accessible idea. And so... I agree. Combo Crew is if you want a more complex game, but if you want a more accessible, just beat them up, then Beat Street is definitely a solid choice. Yeah, and it's free. Yep, Beat Street's free, it's universal. And then there's also a co-op mode that we both tried together, and you just share your special little four-digit code, and then you can play with a friend as you go through the levels. The only limitation there is that there's an ad in between each level, 
and then once you beat a level, you have to reconnect for the next level. So it's not like you can play level four and then level five with your friend just and go through the whole kind of campaign. Instead, you have to do that connecting thing all over again, and it's a little finicky to get connected. Right, and it also used energy. So there is like an energy meter in the game, and it took some of that energy that does refuel over time, but it took some to play those co-op matches as well. Yep, and then there seemed to be ad in between each level, even when I wasn't doing co-op. Like when we played together, it was ad between each level, and then I stopped, and I was playing the regular, and it just, as soon as the level was over, there's an ad, even if you don't watch the ads for double the coin. So essentially they push you to might as well double the <laughs> coin since we're showing you an ad regardless. See, I kept on doubling the coins because I wanted to level up my characters. So I didn't, I didn't notice that because every time I was doing it anyways. Yep. And so again, that's Beach Street. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Tower Fortress. It's the latest game from Natromi. And it has a similar vibe where it's that kind of retro art style with a quick action setup and in this case it's a kind of a roguelike progression system where if you die you're going to start back at level one one every time but each time you go through every coin that you earn is going to help you unlock new mech suits and so it's this vertical scrolling kind of platformer where you have a gun to fire away at enemies but you also have if you double jump you turn into this blade essentially like this spinner kind of like sonic and when you hit enemies they are killed that way too so you have two ways to destroy enemies but if an enemy ever hits you when you're not in spinning mode or shooting them then you're going to lose a life or a heart and you don't have that many hearts to work with so you have to really be delicate the way you move vertically from level level yeah i mean even when you do restart i believe the levels are actually randomized so it's not exactly the same level every time. So there right. is some randomization there. But yeah, it is that kind of thing where you push your luck and you keep on going up. And you do have the option of picking up these like chests where you kind of blow them up and then you get like a new weapon type. But you don't know what that weapon type is going to be when you open the chest. So you can go from something awesome like the shotgun to like something really annoying like the flamethrower where you have to be pretty close to the person to to properly kill them and then you're kind of hoping that another chest comes up to swap out the gun and get something better but it's that that typical like let's see how high and go and then do i want to kind of just keep going up to try to avoid uh the it if I can avoid enemies and just keep on progressing through levels, or do I want to try to kill everything and hopefully find the key that I need to unlock these other little power up that you can use, uh, going into the next, to the next part of the tower. And then you'll have something like, maybe it gives you more overall health that you can get, or maybe it gives you like a longer ability or some, or some other thing that might help you so maybe it's worth trying to take out everything to find that thing the key to unlock that section so you can get up there and get that additional ability yeah so unlocking the so you don't unlock them you just essentially activate the new weapons as you're going up and then you can unlock those new suits and those suits can give you boosts as you go so that will potentially help you make it up further so then you'll earn new coins and unlock better suits and rinse and repeat but the main kind of difference of these style game 
was tough to find. I felt like this fit in with a bunch of other games I played on iOS. Even it was similar to other Netroma games. It just didn't kind of catch me the way some of the other games have. Where this one, it got repetitive relatively quickly. And there just wasn't that much replay incentive just for me. I mean, I'm sure plenty of people will like this, but it just didn't seem to be as appealing or worth my time as other games in the same kind of vertical platformer action setup. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I There wasn't enough there with those suits to really make me compelled to keep on playing to unlock the next suit and the next suit and the next suit. It does fortunately tell you exactly what you're going to get if you unlock a certain suit. So, you know, like, I really want these certain abilities. This is how many of the the coins I want to try to collect to get up to to be able to unlock this suit. But to me, there wasn't it was fairly repetitive and there wasn't nowhere near enough there to really like I'm not going to be playing this next week. I can tell you that much. Like I'm I played it. I had fun, but I'm moving on. Um yeah, there was no unique hook like some of the other Natromi games had that really kind of draw you in. Yeah, just even Leap Day, you know, where they have that daily kind of incentive where the level really feels completely different. There's a very similar kind of vertical progression and, you know, wall jump setup, but that game has much more variety. Like you said, the game, the each 1-1 or 1-2 level within tower fortress is randomly generated but that difficulty curve is the same the type of enemies you face are the same it's just slightly positioned differently where leap day it feels like a completely different level each time that you play yes yeah yeah and so that's tower fortress it's going to be free it's universal and then one last thing i just wanted to talk about was this past weekend i went to the inaugural pax unplugged show which it's supposed to be just so normal PAX has a mix of uh, video games and board games. And so PAX Unplugged is supposed to be a totally board game centric show. But there is a surprising number of either digital board games there or games which board games which use like a app component of it to either enhance the gameplay or do something creative and new or even there was like a vr version of Catan that was there where you're sitting down at a virtual version of the table and playing with an oculus rift and moving the pieces so this way you could sit down at a table with your friends who might be far away and it's like you're sitting there together playing Catan together but just a few of the ones I wanted to touch on that were uh, digital ports of games was Evolution, which I've talked about before. They ha- Their port, I saw an updated version of it. It's coming along nice and beautifully. They've added some new art assets, and they're going to be starting the iOS beta of that uh, later this month. It should be any day now. I think they're going to roll that out. One other one called, speaking of roll is Roll For It, which is a fun little dice game where each player is rolling dice and they're trying to kind of match those numbers on their dice to certain cards that are out. And cl- and once they fully fill up a card, they claim that card for themselves and they get the points. And this is being developed, the original cardboard version is by Calliope Games and it's being developed by Thunderbox, which is the same people that developed the Suro app. So 
you know that that was super high quality. This thing looked really nice as well. And I got a little demo. I don't know exactly when it's coming out. It's either going to be the end of this year or maybe they're going to end up pushing it to very early next year. Uh, it's unknown at this point. Another one that's a repeat customer is Renegade Games, who uh, a couple years ago, I know, I think at this point, had Dire Wolf Digital came out with the digital version of Lanterns. And they teamed up again to bring their game Lotus, which is a kind of a hand management set collection area control card game where players are kind of building up these flowers. So you have cards with different flower petals on them, and each of the different flower types take a X number of petals. Well, each player is playing down these cards, trying to build out common flowers in front of everyone. And you're trying to have the majority ownership of that flower, whether it be you have the most petals on there or your petals have these little other objects that give you majority on them. And so you get points for both either completing the flower or having the majority of the petals on there when the flower is completed. And that app looked amazing as well. And that is coming soon. There's no uh, no announcement of the date quite yet, but it was definitely pretty far along and should be available pretty soon. <clears throat> then there was One Deck Dungeon, which comes from uh, Osmati Games, who did Red 7, which I talked about previously. Uh, and Handelabra Studios is the one developing that. And they're responsible for... Uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, and they also did the digital version of Bottom of the Ninth. And that is on Kickstarter right now, and it's this roguelike dungeon-crawling game where players are rolling dice, and then you apply those to various stats, like your agility, your strength, your magic, or heroic ability, and you're using that to kind of battle monsters. So you're trying to line up those various stats that you got, and you each of those monster cards have certain things that they need. So you have to either meet or exceed with your certain color die, those stats. Once you defeat those monsters, then you can take those cards and they either work as points or they give your character a special ability, which he has progressing or she has progressing through the rest of the dungeon. So now that's a new trait that your character has. And that's that whole roguelike element or it gives you an extra item or something that kind of buffs up your character. And they've already met their $20,000 funding goal. And one interesting thing is they told me that Kickstarter, uh, you ca they cannot offer actual iOS codes on Kickstarter because it goes against the Apple's terms of service. And they said they can't risk it because they have the two other apps that are doing well in the App Store. So they created a $1 pledge level for mobile backers, people that want to back it on mobile, you won't get a copy of the game for that backing. But what they're going to do is the game is set to release on Steam in April, next April. And originally the mobile version was supposed to come out a month later. For every mobile backer, everyone that backs at that $1 mobile pledge, they're going to move up the, the release date of the mobile by one hour. So right now they have 160 mobile backers and so now that's about a week earlier, so now it's only about three weeks uh, after the Steam release that it'll come out on mobile. So I thought that was kind of a neat, unique way around that uh, setup. And so then the last thing I wanted to talk about was a really interesting game. So 
there's a company called Lucky Duck Games, and they normally, like we see, uh, iOS games are digital versions of board games. Well, they kind of went on the entire reverse model, and they take popular mobile games and turn them into board games. So they've already successfully kickstarted a uh, wildly successfully kickstarted Vikings Gone Wild, uh, a zombie tsunami game, and they just finished up a Kickstarter for three Fruit Ninja based games. And these are all coming into like cardboard versions of games based on these mobile properties. At PAX Unplugged, they had an entirely brand new project. And this, it's called Chronicles of Crime. And what it is, is players are all kind of working cooperatively together to solve a crime. So each player has a role, whether the coroner, a hacker, a, a criminal profiler, etc. And they have a single mobile phone that they use together. This mobile phone kind of reveals the story as they progress through the game. And there's all these cards that are like character cards, location cards, item cards, and they all have these little QR codes on them. So it'll tell you your characters have arrived at this certain location. So you pull out the card with that location on it, and then you scan the QR code. And then that helps to, so it knows now you're at that location. Then you want to talk to a a suspect that's there. So you take their card and you scan the QR code on their card, and now you're talking to that person. And you want to ask them about a piece of evidence you found. Well, now you scan this QR code on the piece of evidence, and now you're asking them about that piece of evidence. And so when you arrive at like a crime scene, so the one case that we worked on, there was a murder. We arrived at the scene, and we now we have to search for clues. Well, they use this side-by-side uh, -side stereoscopic glasses that attach right to the phone, and now you're kind of using like a VR setup to your or a, a VR slash AR, and you are looking around. So you look through these glasses, and it gives you like a 3D like you're there view of this crime scene. And as you rotate around, you're seeing more and more of the stuff. You see the body. You see evidence that and you're calling that out to your to the rest of the people on your team and they're picking up the evidence cards or the item cards that are all the things you're seeing and then you scan those in and it tells you oh that's a clue or that's not a clue and then you might have to bring that to your uh one of the people on your team to scan them and kind of get the evidence or maybe you find like a phone and now you need your hacker to get into the phone so it's a really like immersive way for everyone to get into the story and because it's all app based they can change the story up or even with those same piece of items and characters and everything they can have multiple different cases that you can be that you can do within the box and they're just all using these certain things it just has to know that this is the person this is the location this is the piece of item so they can expand the content without having to change anything that's in the box just by updating the app so it's a really neat way of blending app and board game together wow that sounds like a busy event especially with the i mean i know i checked out evolution myself and then the pedigree of Suro and lanterns just a lot of good stuff going on yeah yeah i was surprised by just the amount of content even though this was a 
non-digital uh, event that was there. It was, it was a fun event, uh, and I was happy to see that there was so much of the stuff there. And I think that's everything for episode 43. Yeah, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.